This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Well, I'm not giving up. No, I'm not turning round. By the grace of God, I'll win a shining crown. Someday, well, I'll keep holding on. At times I've even questioned if my Lord was near. Many times that old tempter says, why not turn around? You can't get any farther. You're just losing ground. Well, I'm not giving up. No, I'm not turning around. By the grace of God, I'll win a shining crown. Someday, well, I'll keep holding on to this nail-scarred hand. I'm not giving up, no, I'll keep holding on. Would you mind to tell me something's bothering me? Why is it that old devil won't let God's children be? He has purpose and determined to get right in the way and turn us from the way of life and lead our souls astray. I'm not giving up. No, I'm not turning around. By the grace of God, I'll win a shining crown. Someday, well, I'll keep holding on to His nail-scarred hand. I'm not giving up, no, I'll keep holding on. I'm not giving up, no, I'll keep holding on. Ladies and gentlemen, that's good old gospel singers, and and I hope that that's your determination that you ain't going to give up. You're just going to keep on holding on. Open your Bibles, please, and uh, you can actually open them to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and uh, then if you want to go ahead and open them to James chapter 4 as well, we'll be uh, camped out in those two locations today. Today is part two in our series entitled The Biggest Battle, and this is a study that deals with a battle that we all fight on a regular basis, and that is the battle against temptation. How many of you have been tempted this past week? Anybody? And the rest of you, you will have a chance to repent um, of prevaricating or lying. But last week we laid the foundation with four basic truths about temptation. And 
and we don't really have a time to do a review, but if you missed out on last week, you might want to listen to the podcast or get a, a CD or DVD because it essentially provided a foundation for the next couple of messages. Today we're going to talk about how to take steps to eliminate temptation before it ever comes to us. And, and, and no, we can't completely eliminate all temptation in our lives, yet there are some things that we can do to basically cut off the power to certain temptations so that it at least reduces the temptations that we have to fight tomorrow. Now, what I would like for you to do before we begin is to identify in your mind your top one or two temptations. And I thought about having you just tell your neighbor what your top temptations were, but I decided I, I would spare you from that embarrassment, and, and I certainly wouldn't want to tell mine. Um, but identify in your mind your top one or two temptations. And then I would like for you to prayerfully listen to this message through the lens of those temptations. Now, if your mind is running a bit uh, slow today and you're having trouble identifying your temptations, let me give you a few to get your minds rolling. For example, some of you might be like me and you're tempted in the area of food. Let me go ahead and give the first altar call, okay? <laughs> and you're addicted to overeating or addicted maybe to sweets or maybe even to coffee or caffeine. And Now, if you don't like coffee, I've had some of you say, I don't like the stuff, and you have that smug and holier-than-thou look. I'll get to your temptation shortly, okay? And it's probably going to be a lot worse than coffee. Just saying. Maybe for some of you, your real temptation is buying or overspending. And you see that four-letter word, sale, you lose all power of resistance. For some of you, your greatest temptation is a substance. Maybe it's in a bottle. You know, something you drink or something you smoke or something you chew or something you shoot or a pill that you swallow. Whatever it is, you literally can't go very long at all without this substance helping you a little bit some of you your greatest temptation is lust statistics say that the reality is that probably 50 percent or more of us here this morning we fight a real battle with lust some of you your temptation your greatest temptation is to criticize You've taken it to a new level. In fact, you've already found 10 things you don't like about this service. And the truth is this service is only about half over. And by the time the day is over, you will have been critical more times than you realize. Critical towards things, events, programs, people, etc., etc. And the, some of you are really excited about this series. And, and you're thinking so-and-so really needs this. Well, if that's what entered your mind then for you, you're the greatest temptation, and write down the word for you, pride. And make sure you give it a capital P, okay? Those are just a few of the more common temptations that we deal with. But anyway, I hope that you will listen to this message through the lens of your own temptations. Let's revisit our key text. We looked at it last week, and 
We will be looking at it every week in this series, which will probably be next week and possibly one more after that. We'll see. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, from the NIV, it reads like this. So, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. No temptation has seized you, seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. God is faithful. Are you hearing that, or do I need to read that a third or fourth time? God is faithful. He's faithful. He will provide a way out. So what these verses are saying is, is to be human is to be tempted. And the moment you begin to think, hey, I've grown out of temptation, I'm old, or I'm mature, or I'm spiritual enough, or I'm disciplined enough, and so I don't have to worry about temptation very much at this stage in my life, then you probably need this series more than anybody else. Coming to maturity in Christ does not mean the absence of temptation. It just simply means that you don't have to fight it alone. Now, as we begin our lesson, let me head us in the right direction by talking about the process of temptation. There are five steps in this process, and, and these steps can cover days, weeks, months, years, or they can just happen in a matter of moments. If you're taking notes, these are the steps of temptation and sin. We'll explain these more in a moment, but let me give them to you in list form. First of all, step one is thought. Begins as a thought. Step two, imagination. Step three, justification. Step four, choice. Step five, sin. Let me give a couple of down-home illustrations to help us understand these five steps. The first step is thought. You have a thought. And let's just say that your thought is, I'd like an M&M. Thought, I'd like an M&M. Imagination, I can taste the chocolate that melts in my mouth and not in my hand. Justification, I haven't had any M&Ms for a long time. Plus, M&Ms are not like a big snicker candy bar. They're just tiny. They're small and a few of them won't hurt me. Choice. I'm going to just run my fingers through the bag and pretend. Sin, all of a sudden the bag is half gone. Here's another example. Thought. I'd like a new outfit. And obviously there's nothing wrong with buying a, a new outfit, but you've already got 18 in your closet that you haven't worn yet. And besides that, you made a promise to God to, buy, to not buy so much stuff, even if it was a good deal. So... So thought, you know, I feel kind of depressed right now. I don't feel very good about myself. And so buying an outfit would make me feel better. Thought. Imagination. I can just imagine how good I would look. Emojis galore. Smiley face. Kissy face. Excited face. Heart, heart, heart. Those of you that aren't techie, that just, just ignore that part, okay? Justification. 
I haven't bought an outfit since last Wednesday. So I deserve it. Choice. I'm going to go online to see if there are any good sales. Oh, there's one for 45% off. Glory be to God. It must be his will. Sin. I just bought it. One more example. Thought. I'm bored. I think I'll see what's on my phone. Imagination. I saw something last week that really looked interesting. Justification. It's no big deal. It's not a sin to just look at the menu. How many times have we said that? Besides, my wife is not meeting my needs in the bedroom. Looking at this is less sinful than actually crawling in bed with someone else. It's better to look at the picture than do it. Choice. I'm just going to look. Uh Uh-oh. Click, 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 click. Sin. Where does sin start? It always starts with a thought. And I'm not articulate enough to know how to emphasize this enough, but, but what happens in those first few moments of temptation is so very important. When a temptation comes before you as a thought, whether it's a temptation that comes before you maybe as, as a, in front of your eyes or a temptation that just kind of pops into your mind, it's not something to play with. Temptation is not something to excuse as no big deal. It is a big deal. Temptation is very dangerous. And so therefore, we need to have a plan of action so that we can nip temptation in the thought stage. Thought, we nip it. And not allow it to progress step by step to where it ends up as sin. How do we do that? Well, two very basic things that we find in the book of James. Sometimes we want a complex formula. But most of the time, God provides us with some very simple instructions that even simple people like me can can understand and follow. Let's read how James tells us that we can nip temptation so it never goes beyond that initial thought. And here you want to go ahead and flip over to James chapter 4. And this time I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, verse 6. James 4, 6, reads like this. He gives us more and more strength to stand against such evil desires. So there's the temptation, the evil desires. Let's skip on down to verse 7. So humble yourself. And by the way, that word humble really, in, in the Greek, carries the connotation of submit. So submit yourselves before God. Resist the devil... And what will happen? He will flee from you. So so what instructions does this verse give us on how to make the devil flee from us? Well, Well, two things. We're to humble or submit ourselves to God. And then secondly, we're to resist the devil. And then the devil flees. Let's let's talk about these two things in, in, in a little bit more detail. First of all, we're to submit to God. Now, from my perspective, the the logical way of escaping temptation is to resist it. It's to fight it for all we're worth which is the second key that James gave us. But I believe James, on inspiration by the Holy Spirit, placed these two keys in a very strategic order. He says that when you're tempted, the very first thing you need to do before you even try to resist 
is to submit yourself to God. Now, why would that be? Temptation comes, we would think, let's resist. No, James says you need to submit yourselves to God. Why is that? Well, the reason is that we don't have the strength to resist on our own. The flesh is too weak. Our discipline is not enough. We don't have the power. It's like trying to drive a car without an engine. And that's the reason that we must first submit to God. And that way, when temptation comes, it's not just us resisting. It's Christ in us resisting. How does this play out in real life? Well, submitting to God means that we first of all need to acknowledge that what we're being tempted to do is wrong and sinful. And you need to catch this because if a temptation comes and we begin to say, well, it's no big deal. That's the first place we're going wrong. You know, we live in a society of masterful justifiers and we say, well, that's just the way it is nowadays. And that's just the way that God made me. Or, or if God didn't want me to have this desire, then he wouldn't have allowed it to come into my mind. You know, those who struggle with alcohol sometimes say, well, because of my background, I have a natural predisposition towards alcohol. It runs in my family. And God knows that I can't help it. And, and they begin to justify their actions. And, of course, that's the big justifier today by the LGBT community. They say, well, you, you know, God created me this way. He gave me the body of a man on the outside, but he created me a woman on the inside or vice versa. And they say, I can't help it. God made me that way. And they justify their actions. People sometimes say, well, I struggle with depression. And, and so, therefore, these substances in a bottle or in a pill or in a syringe... They help keep my head above water. But, but if you're doing anything that does not follow God's word, then part of the process of submitting to God is to acknowledge that those temptations are not only wrong, they're not only unhealthy, but they're sinful. And uh, let me tell you something else that submission means for me. Uh, submission to God, very honestly, is a daily decision that I must make because I can be so easily distracted. You know, as a pastor, can I just open my heart to you? And I know you won't tell anybody, but it's easy for me to get my focus off of God and get it on the inconsistencies of people or get them on good projects or good ministries that are taking my attention. And so, therefore, it is critical for me to, on a daily basis, submit myself to God. You know, I don't want to be someone that just preaches a message and doesn't practice what he preaches. But this week, I'm trying to add a new discipline into my prayer time. And, and, and I've been trying to pray a prayer that I actually um, included in your bulletin. Uh, it's a prayer of submission. And if you have that, you might want to just pull it out of your, your bulletin. But, but, but I found that as I've been praying this prayer this week, it, it makes a difference as, as temptations come my way. Here's what I've tried to pray this past week. God, I submit my mind to you. Give me the mind of Christ and help me to only think on things that are excellent, pure, and admirable. God, I submit my ears to you. Help me to only let into my soul 
that which is consistent with your truth. God, I submit my eyes to you. Help me to only look on things that are pure. This is what I've been praying this week. God, I submit my mouth to you. Let all of my words be pleasing to you. God, I submit my hands to you. Let them be used to build up instead of tear down. God, I submit my feet to you. Let let me only go places that you would go. God, I submit my heart to you. Let it be pure so that my actions, attitudes, and motives would bring you glory. God, I submit every part of my body to you. My life is yours, so use me as you see fit. And when I prayed this prayer of submission this past week, it it was like I was putting up a wall of protection against temptation. And of course, it didn't exempt me from temptation, but, but it was like I was saying, God, you're my defense. God, you're my rock. I can't resist on my own, but, but Christ in me enables me to resist. And so here's my challenge to you this week. I'd like for you to put this in your Bible. And could we just together over this week and the coming weeks, Pray this prayer of submission. Not just mouth the words. It's not like we're just going to check the box. Okay, this is what i got to do. But that we would sincerely submit ourselves to God as James says. Well, the second thing that James tells us to do then is resist the devil. So we've submitted ourselves to God. He's now in us. And he gives us the power to resist the devil. I don't know how many of you have ever said, well, I just couldn't resist. Well, resisting temptation is a battle. Temptation is not a playground. It's a battleground. It's war. And we're not big enough. We're not strong enough. We're not bad enough to resist temptation on our own. But with Christ, we are. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. By the way, anytime you want to say amen or act like you care a little bit, it'll make me feel better. (laughs) With Christ, you can resist. So as you submit yourselves to God, then you will be able to resist the devil. And what does James say will happen? Satan will flee from you. And why do you think he will flee? Because he knows that Christ in you is stronger than the wrong desires in you. Now, don't take Satan lightly. Ephesians says we battle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities. So don't come up against Satan casually, but but you don't have to be timid and you don't have to be blindsided. When, When Satan sends a temptation to you, just say to him, I was expecting you, bud, and I have a plan. I've submitted myself to God and and Christ is in me and I've hidden God's word in my heart that I I might not sin against God and, and I resist you in the name of Jesus. And again, the Bible says the devil will flee from you because you are in essence cutting the power off to that temptation. I love Proverbs Proverbs 4.14 and and here the context is that Solomon was trying to help his son deal with temptation by giving him some really practical advice. Let me just read verse 14, Proverbs 4.14. Do not do as the wicked do or follow the path of evildoers. Avoid their haunts. Turn away and go somewhere else. And now, let, let me just pretend that I'm Solomon. And, and let me just pretend that I'm saying this to my son. Son, 
I need to talk to you for a moment. You know, there, there's some people out there that are doing the wrong things. That they don't know God. Don't get caught up in what they're doing. It'll lead you down a road of heartache and, and sin. So, so son, I, I'm telling you in no uncertain terms, stay away from them. Stay away from what they're doing. Son, do you hear me? Are you paying attention? In fact, let me, let me just get a little bit more specific. Don't hang with those who are doing drugs or drinking or are into the party life. Stay away from them. Did you get it, son? Yes, dad, I got it. And I think what Solomon was saying was that the best way to resist temptation was to eliminate it when possible. Don't be around it. And again, you can't put yourself in a position to where you will never have any temptation come your way. But I believe that many of our ongoing temptations can be at least reduced today so we don't have to struggle with them tomorrow. In fact, uh, let me just be real honest with you. And, and, and it's always good for a pastor to be honest. But, and I hope this truth doesn't blow you away. Long before I was a pastor, I was a human. I know that surprises some of you. You know, long before I was a pastor and began glowing in the dark and, and began having my Bible just kind of hover above my desk and, and, and I began fluttering around like an angel. Just some of you don't get it. Some of you don't appreciate my humor. Maybe we should just become a boring church where it's all serious. But, um, but I'm a man and I'm very capable of sin. But what helps me so much is to try to eliminate as many temptations as I can up front. That's why I've made a choice. I don't watch movies with a lot of flesh and skin, if you know what I mean. I don't need that in my mind because you watch that, it gets in your mind. And so that helps eliminate it cuts the power to some of the thoughts and temptations down the road. And I don't know if I should mention this because out of all the subjects that I preach on, this is probably the one that I get the most flack on. That's why I don't drink socially. And I'm not saying that you will go to hell if you have a drink once in a while. I'm not saying that. But I happen to know for me personally that if I don't ever drink alcohol socially or casually, then I don't ever have to worry about becoming addicted to alcohol. Now, that's a choice I've made. I'm a teetotaler. And... I encourage you to be as well. And really, there's no spiritual or physical benefit to drinking anyway. They say, well, you know what it says. You know, take a little bit for your stomach's sake and a little bit of wine for your stomach's sake. Well, that's we've got medicine that does the same thing now. And uh, again, I'm not condemning you to hell. It's, it's not an issue of heaven or hell. It's just a choice that I've made because my personality, sometimes I'm a little bit overboard, addictive, OCD. And I don't want to put myself in a place of temptation where it might get me in trouble later on. That's why also I've made a choice to never click on something even halfway questionable on my computer or phone. You know, the invention of a smartphone brought about an epidemic of pornography. In fact, I just heard the other day, someone referred to the cell phone as porn in your pocket. 
And the question that I want to ask is why some parents would get a smartphone for their 10-year-old and not have any type of parental control on it. You say, well, my kid's good and would never do anything like that. Well, if that's your attitude, who was it? Dave Ramsey said, then you're what's wrong with America. And, and I don't really mean that. But, you know, I think as parents, we all say that our kids are good. But I, I had a parent from this church the other day. And they gave, gladly gave me permission to share this in kind of generic terms without identifying them. But they, were, they wanted this out. They got their either, it was a 10-year-old or 11-year-old child, a smartphone sometime back. And this is a good kid. This is not a rebellious troublemaker. I have a lot of respect for this kid. I like this kid. And the parents were thinking, and, and, and this is what the mom was telling me. We, you know, we were thinking that maybe when this child reaches 14 or 15 years of age, we might want to think about getting some parental control on this phone and tablet. But, you know, he's such a good kid right now. He would never do that. They were blown away. A series of circumstances caused these parents to look on his phone. And they were shocked that this 11-year-old had been accessing pornography for quite some time. And they had basically enabled him by getting him this phone. This pornography led to other things as well. You say, well, my kid needs a phone so he can call me or, or so I can call him. And Well, you, I understand that. I, I understand that. Um, kids sometimes need, need to be available. But, you know, I would suggest to you, and I don't know if you've ever seen anything like this. I don't know if you've ever heard of anything like this. Uh, like a like a flip phone and i i don't know i know mike norman still has a flick flip phone but uh, uh there may be a couple of others that that do um and, and i know the kids aren't very happy with me right now they're they're wanting to impeach the pastor at this moment for suggesting this but let me just say that having a flip phone will not stunt their growth it will not stunt their development it will not cause dysfunctional tendencies but should your child access the wrong stuff on a smartphone, they could, in essence, be scarred for life. So what I'm trying to say is that we can all be tempted, young or old. I can be tempted. And I don't ever want to do anything that would jeopardize my marriage or my calling. I love my wife. I love my Lord. And I love serving the Lord in this church. And I have nothing to gain, have everything to lose by succumbing to temptation. And so have a plan. And ask yourself this question. How can, how can I eliminate some temptation before it ever happens? Maybe for some of you it would play out this way. Since we're kind of serious, let's just kind of go to the lighter side for a moment and lighten the atmosphere. But just to get a point across, if your great temptation is potato chips and you can damn nine bags of chips in one setting, well, when you're in the grocery store next time, maybe skip the chip aisle and go straight to the toilet paper aisle. Because <laughs> I don't think there's anything 
you can get into trouble with on the TP aisle. Unless maybe they're cleaning products that used in cooking meth. I don't know. I don't know anything about that. But Or if you're tempted with M&M's and there's a whole bag in your pantry, what to do? Bring the bag to church, put it on the altar. And we'll take care of it for you, okay? As a staff, we'll make sure that it's dealt with properly. Or if you have a problem with alcohol, don't drive by the bar. Or when you go to the gas station, pay outside. Don't even walk in where there's alcohol. If you have a problem with drugs, don't be around people who smoke or, or shoot or snort. And again, if you have a problem with pornography, get some safeguards on your computer or on your phone or better yet, just get a flip phone. Why would you put yourself in the way of temptation when you have the power to maybe not completely eliminate it, but at least reduce it? And then, as I said last week, find a godly confidant and call them. Sin, sin grows best in the dark. Did you catch that? Sin grows best in the dark. And sometimes it helps to bring it to light with somebody that you trust, a godly, a godly confidant where there's accountability, suddenly it doesn't have as much power. And as we close, let me tell you something that was impressed upon me so strongly this week. And it's, it, it's a blessing. It, it encouraged me. And I needed some encouragement this past week. Jesus is not sitting at the right hand of God the Father saying, Yep, he tripped up again. I knew it. I knew he couldn't do it. What a loser. Jesus is sitting there saying, Father, your son Joe is about to encounter a major temptation. And I'm praying to you, Father, that you would give him the strength to resist. Don't let him fall. Give him a way out. Help him to submit to you first. And then, and then he will have the power to resist. That really gave me hope this past week. You know, sometimes we think of God being... You know, kind of skeptical, cynical like we are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look at his track record. There was no way he was going to stay faithful to God. That's not Jesus. It's, oh, Father, would you help Gene? Would you help Rhonda? Would you help Doug? Now, I happen to know that in two days, there's going to be a major crisis in their lives. There's going to be a major temptation. But God, would you just come alongside of them right now? Jesus is praying for you right now. He's praying for you. Three questions and we're finished. What are the top two temptations that you're struggling with right now? Again, I hope that you've identified them. Question number two, have you submitted yourself in those temptations to God today? Before you can resist, you must Submit. And again, don't do this as a check the box prayer, but if you pray this, if on a daily basis we can begin submitting our mind, our hands, our eyes, our ears, 
our heart, our feet, our entire being. And say, God, I just want to submit everything to you right now. We do that on a regular basis. I believe God is going to give us the strength to be able to resist. And what happens when we resist? Submit, resist, the devil flees. And then thirdly, are there some steps today that you can take to eliminate or at least reduce the power of a temptation so it's not such a struggle tomorrow? Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you for just the sweetness of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we know that temptation is inevitable. It happens, and it will continue to happen until we take our last breath. And at that point, then the biggest battle is over because we receive our glorified bodies. But until then, Lord, it doesn't matter if we've been serving you six months or 60 years. We're going to be tempted. Lord, for some reason we think that temptation is mainly sexual temptation. That's a lot of times when we refer to temptation, it's in that context. But Lord, there are so many other temptations of temptation to pride, temptation to gossip. Lord, temptation to criticism, to have a bad attitude to be divisive, to be a stumbling block, to be selfish. Lord, whatever the temptations are, I pray that you would help us to, first of all, submit to you, Christ in us, then we can resist. Lord, I pray for those here this morning. I ask that you would give them your grace this week. Lord, I believe a host of us are going to be just submitting ourselves to you. And when we submit ourselves to you, I, I believe we're going to see a sense of revival that will sweep across this church. Because when we submit to God, we're saying, God, I'm nothing, you're everything. Less of me, more of you. None of me, all of you. Lord, that's what happens when we submit. And God, I just pray that you would give us amazing victory this week. And there are those that maybe... They've been falling into temptation on a regular basis. But I pray that this would be the week that we would see the devil flee from us because we've submitted, we've resisted, and the devil is running. God, give us victory. Victory in Jesus. What a great song that just talks about what we need. What we need. Victory in Jesus. And so, Lord, we leave here excited because you're praying for us, thankful that you're going to be doing some amazing things in our lives. And Lord, we will thank you. It's victory in Jesus. We pray this in your name and all of God's people said, amen and amen. We submit, resist. What happens? What do we do first? Please. You got it. A plus. You're dismissed.
Okay. Okay. Uh, Barbara's saying that if your bulletin did not have one of those prayers, there are some at the welcome desk. Thank you. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.